0: It seems kind of hopeless right now, but you're going to figure this out. This is pretty debilitating. I'm able to turn my pain into purpose. There are people out in the world that do understand what you're going through. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Brad, who will share his incredible story. In 2017, Brad discovered that he had a baseball-sized tumor growing on his brainstem that had been growing for about 30 years. The surgery to remove this tumor took 22 hours. And after surgery, Brad had to relearn how to walk and talk during his recovery. This surgery took place in May of 2017. About nine months later, Brad's recovery was impeded by the onset of new symptoms, including ataxia, which affected Brad's muscle coordination and control. Shortly thereafter, he was diagnosed with hypertrophic olivary degeneration, or HOD. This is a very rare condition that affects the olivary nuclei in the brainstem, also known as the olives. Brad's brain tumor had essentially been crushing the olives in his brainstem. When the tumor was removed, the olives swelled and then began to shrink or degenerate. This caused Brad's ataxia and has a major impact on his balance, gait, and speech. Brad's speech therapist actually recommended this podcast to him because we've done a great episode with Chris Coates about HOD. Chris is the founder of HODA, the Hypertrophic Olivary Degeneration Association. She's an incredible advocate for HOD working through Hoda to raise funds for HOD research, and did an amazing job explaining this disease on her episode of this podcast. Brad is actually a member of Hoda, and he heard Chris's podcast and reached out to me to say that he would love to share his story. And I am so glad that he did, because this is such an incredible episode of the podcast. The thing that impacted me most about this conversation is Brad's thoughts on acceptance. He referred multiple times to the serenity prayer, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. These words have been integral to Brad's mindset since developing a brain tumor and an incurable brain disease. Brad is also an incredibly kind and supportive individual. He has been a massive support to this podcast with incredibly kind words of encouragement to me personally for what I do here creating this show, to which I'm so grateful And he's also got a great sense of humor. He made me laugh several times during this recording. What a great episode. I am so thrilled and honored to be sharing Brad's story. I'm so grateful that he reached out and was willing to participate in this podcast. And I'm so excited to bring it to you today. I took so much from this conversation. This is one of those conversations that really stayed with me. And I know it will for you as well as you listen to the podcast today. So stay tuned for a great conversation with Brad. At the end of our discussion, Brad shared several organizations that he has found helpful in his health journey, and I wanted to provide a bit more information about them for you at the beginning of the podcast today, and let you know that I have included links to all four of these in the description of this episode. The first is the Caroline Caprio Scholarship and Giving Fund, ccsgf.org. The mission of this organization is threefold, to educate brain tumor patients through monetary and spiritual support, to provide assistance to medical students with monetary support in hopes of finding a cure, and to provide support groups for brain tumor patients and their families. Brad was actually recently asked by the Carolyn Caprio Foundation to give a speech, which he did in front of about 220 people, and it sounds like it went very well and was a real exciting point of pride for Brad. Other resources Brad told me about are the National Ataxia Foundation at ataxia.org, and the Rhode Island Ataxia Support Group, which is actually a Facebook group that I have linked in the description of this podcast. And of course, a very important resource that I've already mentioned is Hoda, the Hypertrophic Olivary Degeneration Association, at hodassoc.org. This is the second week in a row that Chris Coates, the founder of Hoda, has come up on the podcast because she actually connected me to last week's guest, Caitlin, So one more huge thank you to Chris Coates, who is making wonderful things happen out in the world and here on this podcast. Speaking of Caitlin's episode last week, let's take a look at what our audience is saying about that episode on social media. And just to remind you, Caitlin's story was about being diagnosed with 13 chronic illnesses. This comment is from Some Things Matter on Instagram. What a story. Caitlin is so tough. It's clear she would have been an amazing nurse slash doctor. As I listened to this episode, I couldn't help but think chronic illness is such a thief. Even though it's clear she has such a positive outlook and is such a fighter, I just imagine her life as of now is cramming one doctor appointment in between another and hoping it's not during a CVS episode, then inevitably having to cancel and reschedule. I hope she's able to get some relief and remission for all her illnesses. Thanks for sharing. Jen, aka Somethings Matter, thank you so much for your comment. We got a comment from Caitlin herself that I really appreciated. Her screen name is trusting.my.gut. Caitlin says, thank you for having me on and for building such an amazing platform for people to share their stories and raise awareness. This is probably my favorite podcast I have ever been on. Caitlin, thank you so much. I love seeing that. And I have to share a comment from Chris Coates. We've just been talking about Chris. Her screen name is CSEV76. Listen up, y'all. Caitlin is the real deal. I had the pleasure of meeting her and her mom at our last Nord Rare meetup in Washington, D.C. Honestly, these are the best people on earth. Give her episode a listen. I learned a lot and discovered I have even more in common than I originally thought. Thanks, Major Pain Podcast, for chatting with this rising star. Thanks again, Chris, for making this connection with Caitlin. Three weeks ago on the podcast, we discussed MS with Sam Salvaggio who discussed her diagnosis of relapsing remitting MS being changed to secondary progressive MS. And we haven't yet talked about the reaction to this episode on the podcast because in between then and now, I released my episode talking about my own diagnosis that I recorded with Andy. So I wanted to make sure we went back and talked about the reaction to Sam's episode. Sam actually posted a great reel on Instagram advertising her appearance on the podcast, and here's a comment from Pirate and Lilac on that reel. Just listened on Spotify. Great episode. I'm 35, so it's nice to listen to someone with MS who is really honest and frank about things, because some days just really suck, and other days I really need that positive motivation, and your content has both. Here's another comment from my original post about this episode from Deep Texas Fire, who is our previous guest, Kevin, who was on the podcast talking about multiple chronic illnesses, including ankylosing spondylitis, or AS. Kevin says, great episode. I listened all the way through. A symptom came up during the discussion that raised a flag that I need to discuss with my rheumatologist. MS and AS have some things in common. And of course, things completely unrelated. This is why your podcast is so important in our chronic and rare disease community. The flag moments. Thank you both so much. Kevin, thank you. And yes, I totally agree. There's been so many moments in this podcast where something that a guest said raised a flag with me that I put in my pocket to take to talk to the doctor later. And that is in large part how I got a diagnosis recently with mast cell activation syndrome is by taking information from this podcast to my doctor, asking questions, advocating for myself, and eventually getting to the right person to get a diagnosis. So I love this comment because I totally agree. And lastly, here is one more comment that was directed at Sam. This is on the post I made where I posted a clip of Sam's episode, and it's from Instagram user Brooke Cebu. I'm not sure if people tell you this enough, but you really helped me feel pretty positive about my disease and prognosis, etc. I've been diagnosed since 2016 at 42, but I know I've had it since my mid-20s based on symptoms. Thank you for sharing your setbacks and triumphs along the way. It really makes having this disease not feel like the end of the world. We will have hard times, but we will always rise from the figurative ashes. I love seeing these amazing reactions to the podcast. Don't forget, you can follow us on social media Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Major Pain Podcast if you'd like to be a part of this discussion. Or you can always email me, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com, to let us know what you think of our recent episodes. We've gotten a few more five star ratings on Spotify. We are up to 31 five star ratings, which is so exciting. Thank you all so much. Leaving us a positive rating or review wherever you listen to the podcast is such a great way to support the show. Speaking of support, you can learn all about all the different amazing ways to support this podcast at majorpainpodcast.com slash support, including our Patreon campaign where listeners can support this show with monthly financial contributions. Extra special thank you to our Patreon producers, Steve Kavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia, who continue to go above and beyond supporting this show. One last exciting piece of news I wanted to share is that we received a $20 donation through PayPal this week from our amazing supporter, our friend and our previous podcast guest, Danielle, who says, happy fall. Thank you for everything you were doing and for being a support for those of us who are struggling. Danielle has sent in donations several times and it always is so, so incredibly appreciated to have some financial support for what I'm doing here at Creating This Podcast. Danielle, thank you so much. As we jump into our discussion with Brad on this week's podcast, don't forget that I am not a medical professional and nothing on this podcast is intended as medical advice. Please do not take any action based off what you hear on this podcast without first consulting your doctor. And with that, we'll jump into our fantastic conversation with Brad about his baseball sized brain tumor and resulting ataxia and hypertrophic olivary degeneration. Brad, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you today. Uh, We've been in touch for, I think, about a month now, and you've been so supportive of the show in general, and I'm just really excited to get to know you today and to hear your story. Thank you. So let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, Brad, why don't you tell us about yourself? Oh, I am
1: 65.
0: I have two
1: children and five grandchildren, and I have been married for 41 years to my wonderful wife, Beth. Oh, cool. <laughs> awesome. I used to love to landscape, and then because of my condition, we moved to a over-55 community, and they mow the lawn, I still do the planting in the gardens. So they've minimized my outside work. I love to go to the beach and great to go with the grandkids and watch them play in the water.
0: So has a little bit about me. Yeah. Very cool. So you're in a beach community. What part of the of the country do you live in? East Coast. East Coast. Awesome. Yeah, I grew up on the West Coast in San Diego, so a lot of beach time when I was a kid.
1: <laughs> and lots of beach time in San Diego.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I've been to the zoo there. Oh, great. Yeah, it's a world-famous zoo. Yes, it is. I could
1: probably be at 15 beaches in 15 minutes from
0: my house. Wow. Very cool. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I I live up in Seattle now, and we're real close to several bodies of water, which is amazing, and I love it. But, you know, there's nothing quite like the beach. I definitely, I'm overdue for a visit to San Diego to spend some time on the beach. There you go. <laughs> well, Brad, let's get into your story. So what is your major pain? Well, in 2017,
1: I developed a baseball-sized tumor on my brain stem. Also, in 2017, I had an operation to remove that tumor. It left me with ataxia and hypertrophic alveoli degeneration, so basically the tumor pressed on my owls in my brainstem for 30 years. It crushed them, they removed the tumor, and then the owls grew. As they grew, I started to develop ataxia, which it had major symptoms like balance by speech it's funny i have listened to your podcast i go to speech therapy twice a week and my speech clinicians sent me on my email a copy of the major pain podcast really In- Yes, that's how I heard about you first time. Wow, that's awesome. I was (laughs) at the University of Rhode Island Speech Department and they found Christine Coates talking about HOD and they emailed that to me. And as soon as I heard the podcast, her voice. I knew it was her because I'm a member of the ODA group. Oh, wow. So that is how I
0: found the great Jesse Mercury. (laughs) Thank you so much. That is so cool. I've never heard anyone say anything like that, that that a therapist of some kind recommended them to the podcast. And yeah, we did a great episode with uh, Christina Coates, who's been a huge supporter of the podcast, such a cool person about hypertrophic olivary degeneration which was my introduction to to this disease which i'd never heard of before Um, and most doctors have never heard of it i've actually been to
1: neurologists and during my appointment
0: they're googling the disease (laughs) find out about it that's so frustrating yeah no absolutely i you know i've experienced that a couple times as well where i've talk to a doctor about something rare going on with me and they're looking it up and giving me advice and I can yeah. see their screen and it's the same websites that I have been looking at, you know, <laughs> exactly. yeah, that doesn't feel good for sure. So, okay. So this started in 2017. That is not that long ago. Yeah. yeah.
1: But I can't walk. I use a rollator and a regular walker that I keep in my car. I Mm -hmm. do drive, and I'd like to get out at least once a day. It gives me something to do. Yeah. I feel like I've accomplished something. I do fall quite a bit. I think my record is 13 weeks without a fall, Mm -hmm. and four in one day. Yeah, wow. I go to speech therapy twice a week and physical therapy twice a week. Yeah. They say when you're through improving yourself, you're through. So I do my best to improve myself. There's no cure for what I have and it plateaued. So I practice uh, have you heard of the eternity?
0: Yeah, the
1: Serenity Prayer. Yes, I Serendipur. use that a lot
0: because
1: hmm. I can't change the past. I can't change that I have a brain tumor. I can't change that I developed a brain disease that has a cure. So what can you do? Accept it. That's what a lot of people have a hard time with. You have to do what you can to make it better or change it. So that's why I go to therapy. That's why I've actually learned how to walk and talk three times in my life. Mm. Once when I was one, one tract of a brain tumor. I lost my ability to think and speak, and once after I developed the HOD attacks, I lost my voice and I lost my ability to walk. I used to walk probably four miles a day after the brain tumor. Prior to that. I ran health clubs for probably 15 years, and I was involved in insurance for 20. Mm. And then I got
0: the tumor, and that was a big surprise. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. You said that the tumor had likely been there for, did you say, 30 years? Yeah! Wow. So you had this tumor for thirty years before they found it. I have two questions about that. One: how do how do they estimate how long a tumor has been around? And two: how did they eventually find it? Were you having headaches and and they did a scan, something like that? Oh, they first found it on an MRI because
1: I was falling.
0: Hmm. Okay. In the
1: backyard, where I was. A- Breaking leaves or landscaping, I would bend over and fall down. My driveway was elevated hmm. and was sitting on top of boulders. I took off the edge. Wow. My, my wife thought I was drinking and I didn't drink. <laughs> wow. <laughs> thought I was drunk. Yeah so i was a lot they took me for the mri it was the size of a baseball yeah and once the doctor took it out it took him 22 hours hmm. to take out the tumor wow and here's the one that based on size it was non-malignant so it was a meningioma right Meningioma
0: <laughs> all of my Italian friends. <laughs> Meningioma. Uh, and is it based off of the size of it that they estimated 30 years? Uh, they did test on it.
1: They're the ones that they gave me the range of 20 to 30.
0: Okay.
1: When your life is not what it used to be, you... I have all things. Mm. It could be 20, could be 30. Yeah. But it's grown for a long time. But you never could feel it because it was always
0: growing inward. Hmm, interesting. So once you discovered that you had this tumor, not only that you have it, but that you've had it for decades, how did you feel about it? It's a It's a part of you that has been growing inside of you, but it is also life-threatening and needs to be removed as soon as possible. How did you feel about that in that moment?
1: I really didn't have much of a chance to think. Hmm. I have given a ride to the MRI. I think I came home and my wife walked in. out cooking dinner. That is one of the things that I'd like to do. I'm I actually used to play golf a lot with my wife. It was a play to see who would cook dinner.
0: <laughs> I became a very good
1: cook. She became a very good golfer. <laughs> and then she walked in the door and said, we have to go to the hospital. So I was to the local hospital. And the ambulance, they took me to the hospital in Providence, in the city. And then I didn't like the doctor very much. And neither did my family. So we went to Boston. And I had one of the top doctors, neurosurgeons in the country operating on me. He told me if the tumor was any bigger, he would not have been able to take it up and perform the surgery.
0: Yeah. Wow. Were you scared or was it just all too fast to really? It was too fast. Yeah. I I had time to be scared. Yeah. So they just rush you into surgery. 22 hours later, you wake up and this tumor is gone. What what are your memories of what happened post-surgery? Uh, I couldn't walk. I
1: couldn't talk. It's funny you, you don't remember a lot of things until you see a picture of you laying in bed, mm. learning how to walk, and hold on to the walker, and your first grandchild is holding on to your shorts. See, I had that picture, but I don't remember it. I know people gave me cards and came to visit in the hospital. I have no recollection of it. So it took me a long time to learn how to walk and talk. I learned how to walk again, and I walk four miles a day just to stay in shape. And then the uh, texture and HOD took away my ability to walk,
0: and now I just fall a lot. yeah, that's so tough to go through that recovery and to push so hard to regain so much function and then have it happen again um and my my memory of how HOD works is that the olives uh, in your brain stem expand. And then they start to contract, and that's when the degeneration happens. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. So, so it sounds like they were being pressed upon by this tumor and sort of agitated for decades. The tumor gets out of the way. The olives swell to kind of fill the space and then start to contract. Degenerate. And then they degenerate. Yeah. So wh- what was the time frame between the surgery and the onset of H.O.D.? Within a year. Within a year. Ugh. So
1: I had the surgery in May of two thousand and seventeen. I think I started to get the H U D symptoms in February
0: of two thousand and eighteen. Mm-hmm. And that that must have been such a blow. I mean horrible yeah and everybody with hud
1: is different Mm -hmm. i'm different from christine i have ataxia she doesn't i drive she doesn't some people can't get out of bed so everybody is different yeah personally i think i am mild compared to some of the people in the hoda group
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so it's it's a learning process
0: yeah and that's why you know hoda is so important so so incredible uh especially because like you said so many doctors have never heard of this disease and she has created this entire organization around research and trying to find ways to help patients and but on top of that just connecting patients together and giving you the opportunity to hear from other people with your disease is so important and so powerful so uh, i'm so excited that you're a, a member of that organization it's so cool that to, to hear about these connections that
1: and there is a brain tumor organization
0: mm. that i belong
1: to and i'm the only one with hate to dig i do not know anybody around me that has HOD. I heard one time that it was one
0: and thirty million. Wow, that's horrendous. Yeah. How long after your HOD diagnosis did you discover HODA, the organization? Probably within the year. Hmm. I don't know when
1: I joined it. But it's very supportive because you can text with people who had the same issue. You can talk to people that had the same issue. I also belong to two other groups in Rhode Island and the National Atexia Group. I think the HOD Plateau. plateaued. But it caused the. I take the. uh, I guess there's medication for each
0: symptom. I'm on no meds. No meds? Uh, What what was the decision process behind not being on medication? I
1: had to take one for every symptom.
0: Hmm. And they work
1: for some people and they don't work
0: for others. Yeah. And there's always side effects. And it's a difficult process trying to find the right medication for something like this. Great, yeah. It's, have you heard of the wag technique? No, the wag technique. No, I haven't heard of that. Well, ass, yes. <laughs> yeah, you just taking a stab at trying the meds, and That's what it, yeah, I'm not do. yeah. I, uh... Heard
1: that this <laughs> term might work with HD hmm. or at least the drooling symptom. See, I'm numb on this whole half of my face. I have two eyes, but now there's two jetties. Hmm. I have double vision. Yeah. When I close this eye, you become pink, but there's one. Yeah. So where I close
0: my eye, this one changes colors. Now, this, I have double vision. Yeah, for our listeners who can't see Brad, he has uh, glasses with one lens um, blocked out. Uh, it looks like sunglasses on one side and a regular lens on the other side. So, when you take that off, then you see two of me. Correct. Yeah. So, I have had
1: my eye operated on. To tried to correct the vision and didn't work. So life goes on. Hmm. I, I am doing
0: things, some work. So have you heard of plasticity? Plast- yeah, neuroplasticity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, the concept that you can sort of uh, create new pathways in your brain to... It works. It works, yeah, to regain some function. Yeah, absolutely. I present me for
1: speech,
0: for physical
1: therapy, and for happiness. Hmm. There's a process that you go through, and it does work. My falls have decreased. Why? Because I relearned through neuroplasticity, how to catch myself Hmm. by exercises that create new movement. So I really have to think about things before I do them. And plasticity has helped me in speech, in
0: physical walking. So it, it does work. I've talked a little bit about it with some previous guests and heard some pretty important information about it. But yeah, for, you know, for someone in, in a situation like yours, there isn't necessarily any medication that can help. You can kind of try to take a stab at the symptoms, but you know, whether or not it's going to work, as you said, the WAG technique, it's a wild-ass guess. But what's so impressive about what you're telling me is that you're focusing more on retraining your brain and relearning okay. things. And you're seeing improvement with that, and you just keep fighting and pushing, getting outside every day, doing everything that you can, and it's helping, and that's incredible. Correct.
1: I do ride a recumbent
0: bicycle
1: anywhere mm. from three to ten miles, about three times a week, when the weather's above sixty and not rainy. Mm. Wow. So you'd never be able to ride one in
0: Seattle <laughs> especially in the in the rainy season, yeah. Uh, right. So your your uh, perspective around acceptance is really important, I think. The way that you learned that, you know, you can't fight against what's happening in your body, you have to accept it and then find the best way through it. How long did it take you to get to that point after developing HOD?
1: Probably
0: right away, or shortly thereafter. I
1: developed it. Once it was diagnosed, I really applied the Trinity prayer mm. to my challenges, and again, that it's God, grant me the strength to accept. The things I cannot change, they have to have the courage or the strength, the peace of mind with what happened to you, you can't change it. They have to accept it. You have to have the courage or the guts to change what you can. And that's with the neuroplasticity, Hmm. what you can't change. You have to know the difference between you acting with a curse and accepting the past. So
0: you have to know. I I love what you're saying. You have to recognize the difference between what you can't change, the things that just are, and the things that you can work at, and then have patience and never give up and keep trying, and then... That's something like the neuroplasticity, which you have seen results from.
1: You have to accept what you can't change.
0: Yeah. As well. Yeah, absolutely. And th- there's something else we haven't talked about yet, which is how this has affected your family. It sounds like you have an amazing, supportive family. I have two brothers that live
1: like one sister that lives like a son with three grandchildren and a wife that live locally and my daughter lives in massachusetts about an hour and a half away and my wife see she pushes me Mm. and oh well she is tough on me she makes me do things so to have somebody push you again and again you're going to drop that or you're burning that or whatever that's good she knows that i need to get up and do things she said just why don't you go for a ride cause she knows that it's good for my head it gives me something to do i feel accomplished I think one time, and you may have felt that, is when you, you used to be able to do things without <laughs> thinking about doing them. You said that Yeah. <laughs> now before you do a thing, you have to think about it first. Hmm. And that's life. Hey, it goes on. I woke up on the right side of the dirt. Today. Mm.
0: From what we've talked about, I feel like you've recognized a lot of the things that have changed since this happened to you. But you seem very grateful for what you have. I'll have like I have a loving and like I have help. You
1: have to change your mindset. Yeah. And you're not running health clubs anymore. Mm. You're not selling insurance anymore. I picked a hell of a way to retire, though. <laughs> yeah, this is not how I thought I would spend my retirement. Airports are a bitch.
0: They
1: mm. played them on a scale of one to ten, one being the best, ten being the worst.
0: I would give
1: airports a an eight.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because I don't like wheelchairs
1: and I have to use them because it's usually too much walking for me. Mm -hmm. I did go to Iceland with my wife out of my element, so I did fall four times in one day. Yeah. He'd take me out of my element and I'm not safe. Belts and grand bars have definitely become my friend. Yeah. I used to live in a big colonial. Now it's a one floor. There are grand bars. There's a shower chair. The only have the person that has
0: used the shower chair is
1: my four-year-old grandson.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have a shower chair, and before getting on medication, I was using it all the time, and uh, uh, yeah. you have to. Yeah, it's tough to, you know. And before getting on medication, I was using a wheelchair, and it's it's hard to accept all of these accessibility tools at first. But then you realize how great they are and how much of a difference <laughs> they make, and how much of your life they can allow you to live more comfortably. And it's yeah, all it's all about that acceptance. You know, once you accept it, you can get on board with it. It can be they can be such great tools. I agree.
1: That's why I like going to the therapy. Mm. Because I've accepted my challenges, and I'm always one for
0: a challenge. I always have been. Mm. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. When you approach this as a challenge to be conquered. And your goal is just to make progress. There's no finish line for any of this. You're just trying to make no. a little bit of progress all the time and, and right. build the acceptance that some days you won't make any progress and some days you might make a little more than normal. Uh, but as right. long as you keep trying and keep working, it sounds like you've made huge progress and who knows how much more you're going to make as long as you keep trying. I love, I love that idea of just viewing it as a challenge to be conquered.
1: Well, oh, the weird thing is, A therapist will give you new things to do. And if you can't do that, you do it again. And then you do it again. And then you do it again. Mm -hmm. If you can't do it, after all of that, you don't do it again. (laughs) Well, not right now. I have learned that and I practice that.
0: Mm, Yeah. I love that. Well I have one last question for you. so uh, you mentioned how y- there's no one in your area with HOD, and that's something that I love about this podcast is being able to you know share your story with the world with anyone who wants to f- search this online. Anyone who's searching for hypertrophic all the all very degeneration will hopefully be able to find this podcast I and mean, we now have two amazing episodes about it. so this is an opportunity for you to address someone else who is maybe looking for some help, maybe looking for some information, maybe just diagnosed with hypertrophic olivary degeneration. So based off of everything that you've learned and this journey that you've been on that you've told us about today, do you have any any words that you'd like to share with someone who is looking for some information? I
1: think you should listen to each podcast. It doesn't matter what you have. Like I learned from Carol mm. and her wives that were intimacy, And she in Australia. I'll never see her or meet her, but i learned from her. Mm. So you could learn from anybody. And when you learn, you're
0: smarter. And when you're smarter, you're better. That's it. Wow, I, thank you so much. That's so kind. Yeah, Cara, who was on the episode uh discussing her steps to deal with chronic pain and chronic illness with inside of relationships. Some very powerful advice there. I totally yeah. agree. I mean, that's what I love. I that's I love doing this because every single person that I talk to, I learn something new from. And hey. and even though we all have different diseases, there's so much similarity. There's so much crossover. And there's so much to be learned from every single person's story. And now you you are a part of that now forever. So I, I just appreciate you sharing so much.
1: Hopefully your
0: podcast can continue for years to come and you continue to help people. That's my hope. because you do. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate that so much. And I absolutely, you know, I want to do this. I want to do this for as long as I can. It's just so rewarding and... Talking to people like you is such a joy. Um, so Brad, amazing job today. i I've loved talking to you so much. Uh, is there anything else that you want to plug or share? Any social media or uh anything else you want to direct our listeners towards? Uh the Caroline Cabrio
1: Association. I talked about Huda, which is a hypertronic Albert. Degeneration Association,
0: they're actually doing
1: a lot more. They need fundraising because there are no cure for what I have. And they are trying to find the doctors to do the test. So somebody, not us, most likely somebody else will be carrying on the association and before a cure is found but christine is the doctor of this and the ataxia association i believe there is there's a national ataxia association and they
0: stick wide one. i belong to the Rhode Island one. Awesome. Those are some great resources, and I will share the links in the show notes for this episode. Brad, amazing job today. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, for reaching out, for your support, and for just sharing your incredible story with us today. Thank you. Peace out. Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. podcast.